This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. I was on holidays three weeks ago. We, as a family, we went to Dorset, and um, I knew I was speaking, and I had to go and tell God, unless you give me something to say, I have nothing to say. Now, normally... I get, it's like sort of a whale's tooth messages. One is given and there's another one coming through. But this time I had absolutely nothing. And at half past two, on a Tuesday morning, I woke up and this entire message was in my head. So I have to believe God wants you to hear what I've got to say today. And I don't often say things like that, but I really feel this message is what we need to hear. So this is the the portion of scripture that I was given. And you put two chronicles up, please. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I truly believe, as I said when I spoke on Isaac, that the church can reap a harvest in a time of famine. I absolutely believe it. I believe that the elect of God are out there, and don't call me a Calvinist, hear what I'm saying. I believe that the elect of God are out in Ammonford. I believe he's calling them. They can be the whole of the Bectos Rugby Club. I don't know who they are, right? But I believe that if they're there, then God wants them here. And we can reap a harvest of souls that God is calling. But you cannot take this portion and take Israel and replace it with church. That's the one thing. This is a different covenant. Now, these two are giggling at me. Now, for some reason, this must be funny. <laughs> no. It's upside down. I didn't put it on. Who put it on? Oh. Now then, blame him. Who did it? Who did it? No, not me. There are who. You did it. Not me. Right back to the text. It's who's fault. It was spoken to Israel, who were under a different covenant. But also, it required that the whole of the nation turn to God and repent. Right? So, you know, for it to happen with us, the whole of the global church should turn to God and repent if this is going to really means it. So you can't replace Israel with church. Right? It's like Ian said, isn't it, when he told us about the last war where Britain was um, asked to partake in the day of prayer. And when they responded, the whole tide of the war was changed. Isn't it? We won the battle that changed the war. So that's what it means. But I believe that there are principles here that we can use. And we're going to have to dig deep to get to them. Number one, we're not called to fight people when we need to wear the whole armour and our carnal weapons are useless. We put those verses up. We've put Ephesians 6 up for me, Lee. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the next one, 12. 
for a struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And can you put up um, 2 Corinthians for me, Lee? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We are fighting a spiritual battle and we need spiritual weapons. You can't fight the battle with carnal weapons. So we need to know what our spiritual weapons are. And in this day and age, I sort of identified three ways in which carnal weapons sometimes are used to fight the battle, which is a spiritual weapon. A spiritual battle, rather. And number one is a resistance to change. And we've all come out to the traditional churches, and we blame them. They've gone. Right? What's left is us. And we can be as traditional in two weeks as they were in 200 years. Right? We can be so blinkered in the way that we do things that we won't change. So it's like a ship going on the sea. And no wind can shift it. You've got this tunnel vision and you don't see. Not even the wind of the spirit can move you. You are so set on where you think you need to be going that you don't even let the Holy Spirit change you. We are constantly going in this way. We are resistant to change. That's in today's churches. That's not the past. They've done, they've done their job. This is us. So change is good. Change is good. Number two, common sense. You know, we try to run the church by common sense. Just don't leave it at the door. We're going to need it, otherwise you'll have every wacko in the country in you. Right? <laughs> we need common sense to run a church. But common sense is not the Holy Spirit guidance. Common sense is not revelation. And what we need today more than anything else is a revelation from God about to deal with the problems that are out there and what the church has to do about it. But we try to work it out in our own minds. So we say, well, they need this and this won't work and we'll try this so we work it all out. Right? This is what A.W. Tozer says. Tozer quote of the week. Here we go. We believe that God can do the impossible. But we trust him only to do that, which we are able to do ourselves. All right? And that's common sense. Common sense leaves the impossible out of anything. It replaces faith with sight. All right? I have to see it. I have to know it's able to be done. Then I'll venture out. Common sense is not revelation. And the third one is imitation. This gets me going. We stop seeking God for ourselves and we copy what everybody else is doing. All right? So now we ha- don't have revelation. What we've got is imitation. We become a tribute band church. Right? We just copy everything. We're like a tribute band. But we all know that the tribute bands are never as good as the original. Yeah? You don't pay as much money to go and see a Beatles knockoff 
as you would to see the Beatles. <laughs> true, it's absolutely true. Tom Jones is in The Diplomat. No, he's not. <laughs> the photo looks very much like him, but you won't get dinner and dance and whatever else you'll get for Tom Jones for 15 quid, will you? So, you see, we, we, when we think this is revelation, it's not revelation, it's imitation. Being original. God wants us to be originals. He wants us to seek him, to go on our knees before him in humility and say, I haven't got a clue what to do. You do. I'm listening. What do you want me to do? And, you know, I'm thinking of um, Bradford. You were saying they are radically going to change their Sunday night services. Those churches now that look to Bradford and have taken it all on board what Bradford do, what are they going to do when the service changes? Yeah, they're at the, oh heck, we'll have to change that. We'll have to change. It's not revelation. Downloading sermons is not revelation. Of course you can have a sermon and think this is really good. I really think people need to hear this. Of course. But you know what? When I don't read my Bible and go to YouTube to get a sermon, come on, that's not a preacher. Very sorry. That is not preaching the word. That is plagiarism. That is plagiarism. And if it were a book, you'd be taken to court. But they're all out there on YouTube and the internet and we Google them and we bring them in. And I know people, I actually know a group of people who left a church, and I'm not talking in the past, I'm talking quite recently, because all they were getting were downloaded sermons from the front. There's no revelation in it. And what we need is a revelation. And I think this is what God is telling us. I want you to come to me so that I can tell you. But we look around, we won't change, because I've got my own ideas. I know exactly where I want this church to go. We use a common sense because we replaced faith with sight. And we refuse to go to God to find out our own methods to become originals. And we become tribute bands. That's all. And the other thing is a lack of repentance. No, repentance isn't preached anymore. You don't hear about repentance anymore. It's absolutely essential for growth. That's why Gail prayed it. You can't grow without repentance. Simple definition of sin. James 4, 17. Please, Lee. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. That's sin. Pure and simple. Do what God says, don't do what God says not to do. Did that make sense there? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. That is sin. Knowing is what makes the difference. If you know what you should do and you don't do it, you are sinning. If you know what you shouldn't do and do it, you are sinning. It's the knowledge that makes all the difference. That's why the law was given, to show them this is wrong. Before that, ignorance is bliss, people say. Right? Before that, they were ignorant of what they were doing wrong. The law came in, thou shalt not. Ooh. Now, if I do, I'm sinning, right? So repentance is for sins of omission and sins of commission. So if you've done it and you shouldn't do it, stop doing it, right? If you're not doing it and you should do it, start doing it. Simple, 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 right? So 
God says, it's humility, seeking his face, prayer, and repentance, all spiritual things that will bring down his blessing. We like to see what we can do sometimes, don't we? By doers. We like to put our fingers in it and have a part in it. But this is a God thing. So, if we need one thing, we need revelation. Let me tell you then, a couple of stories. Many, many years ago, lots of years ago, the church I was in bought a chapel, an old chapel. It was practically falling down. We were 13 people moving in. And um, we only had three men. Only three men who were totally committed to the church. And in those days, we had a prayer meeting on a Monday and a Bible study on a Wednesday. So the prayer meeting very quickly became a women's prayer meeting because the three men stayed home and babysat. And before I go any further, I have to tell you, I cannot hype this or exaggerate it because Andrea, Helen and Gail were all present. So what I'm telling you is the absolute truth as it happened. So we would meet on a Monday in the chapel, in the vestry. If you'd seen it, it was, I believe I can picture it now. And um, we knew we had to pray for men. And one one Monday evening, one of the women came and she'd been reading about Moses' birth, where Pharaoh had said he was to kill all the babies, boys that were born. But the midwives had said that the Israelite women were really too strong for them. And these babies were born before they arrived. So we said, we'll throw them in the river then when they're born, isn't it? And we prayed about it. And we knew, we knew God was saying, you're midwives. I want you to bring to birth men. And I want you to stop them dying when they're born. And so we met every Monday, 10 to 13 of us women. It was freezing. It was the depths of winter. We'd be there in our coats, hats, scarves, gloves, with a coffee to keep our hands warm. We were under two by electric fire. Of only one bar worked, by the way. <laughs> the local Bobby would call in because you couldn't make out what was going on. So he'd come, pop in with us in the end, he'd have a coffee, then go. Soon he was sending people to the youth club. But the amazing thing is, in time we looked. We were having more men sent to the church than women and more young men being converted than girls. And they stayed. We turned the whole tide, really, of modern church because more women go to church than men. And that's what we discovered. So don't tell me God doesn't reveal himself to us and allow us to pray things into being because I have experienced it. Right, that you can turn the tide with revelation, faith, and prayer. Enduring, persevering prayer. Whether you're tired, whether you're cold, whether you're hungry, whether you're ill, you can pray. And we prayed it into being. And I'm not hyping, because they will call me liars. So you can all say, am I saying the truth, girls? Thank you, they all say. (laughs) All three of them agree with me. But you've had your own miracle here. A man of 61 was called to start a church. What nonsense is that? (laughs) 
61-year-olds don't start churches. They're past it. They've had their day. They've had it. They don't know the new methods. They don't know the new songs. How are they going to lead a church? Huh? But when man Avion believed the revelation, he knew he'd had the revelation. And in his faith, he took up on it. Where the result of one man being faithful to God? And did he pray? Did he seek God's face? Did he repent? Yeah, that's the man he was. That's why you've got the church you've got. Right? And the loveliest thing I've heard about him was Mark said, before he was a Christian, my father had trouble believing that the whale swallowed Jonah. After he became a Christian, he'd have believed that, the whale, that Jonah swallowed the whale. <laughs> that's faith. He's got ridiculous faith, he said. But that's faith. And when you replace faith with sight, you won't have these stories to tell. You'll have a sterile church. Yeah, you might have bums on seats, but there'll be no excitement. Yeah. And you know, I defy any one of you to find any one woman who wouldn't spot, speak about those times without a smile on their face. Because yeah. it sounds hard. It was joyous. Absolutely joyous. We had the time of our lives. You know, God was with us and we knew it. And that's what makes the difference. That's what revelation does. Revelation brings God into your life. And you know it. You don't have to hype it. You don't need your common sense. You'll believe anything that God says. And you'll make it happen. Because God said, I'll do it. He's an amazing God. But he wants us to get to know him. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to get to know him. Him. That's the seeking. Know him. And before I've called this, I haven't said the title, have I? I've called it Worshipping Warriors. Because we have a battle to fight. But you're going to have to use spiritual weapons to fight this battle. And you're going to have to be a worshipper. Don't go out there with your common sense. The world does that better than we do. Because we sort of hedge your bets, don't we? Not quite certain, you know. Common sense or faith, we don't know. So, let me root it in scripture for you. And this is where the characters come in, Mike. Let me root it in scripture. God reveals and tells him to do some incredible things. Jehoshaphat was told to send out singers to do a battle. You know, ah, oh, battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. Don't worry, just send, send out the musicians. Out they go, and the enemy kills each other. How marvellous would that be, isn't it? If we went out there and, whoa, what's going on? So worship was at the forefront. David was told to fill pictures with lights and smash them. Yeah. You know, and then people would think there were millions of their, uh, the enemy would think there were thousands there. And they routed and they ran away. So God tells us to do some incredible things. You know, that don't make sense to us. But I want to look at Joshua. I love Joshua. So we're going to look at Jericho. And this is... Joshua chapter 5. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord have I come. 
Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Here's Joshua. He's a military strategist. He's a general of the army. And I've always seen this, that he is sort of seeing Jericho in the distance and wondering, how is he going to defeat it? How is he going to do it? What strategy is he going to use to defeat Jericho? This was a, a, a city that had never been conquered before. It was fortified. They said that the walls are so wide you could run a chariot race from them. Those are the walls that fell down, by the way. And so you're sitting there watching all this and thinking, you know, am I going to do this? And here's the commander of the Lord's host, which is Jesus, right? And he asks him, ooh, whose side are you on? Nobody's. That's number one. Jesus is not on anybody's side. Forget that Jesus is on your side. Jesus is on his side. And if we want victory, we come over to his side. He doesn't leave his place to come over to your side against this, because we're not fighting flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. So if you want to fight a spiritual battle, you have to come into God's side. You have to come to Jesus. Right? And Joshua says, what have you got to say to me, my Lord? Take your shoes off. We're on holy ground. And it's in that place of submission, and it's in that place of humility, that he hears the strategy. And it's a strategy that I don't think he was going to think about previously. Walk round the, the walls. That's not what you tell a general in the army, is it? Just take the people and march round. Do that every day. For six days, march round. It's crazy talk. And I'm thinking about the people who were watching him. Why didn't they fire on them? I never thought of that. Why did the people inside the building, inside this town, not attack these crackpots, really? <laughs> who every day would march around the walls. And there was about a million or so of these people marching. So why weren't they attacked? Yeah. Well, that's me. Only me thinking that then. But I just think it's fascinating. You know, but that was God's way. See, Joshua could have used the old ways. He'd seen Moses. Where was he? Up in the mountain praying. And two people putting a stone under him and then holding his arms up. He could have thought, prayer's the way, prayer's the way, that's the way we're going to do it. We're going to do it exactly like Moses did it. Hmm? He'd seen all sorts of things, but God wouldn't let him go there. Joshua had a revelation for himself of the absolute omnipotence of God. You know, it's me. It's not Moses. It's not anybody else. It's me. I'll pull the walls down. You just do as you're told. And would have thought that walking around and blowing a few trumpets would make the wall. And they, apparently they imploded and they dug them up. And it says the walls didn't fall out or in. They fell down. Walls don't fall down unless there are detonators put underneath them. And when you see the stacks falling, they fall down because the detonators have been put underneath to bring them down. So somehow or other, their walls fell down. A miracle. Why? Through revelation, faith, acting upon that faith, 
humbling yourself before God, hearing what he said, and then believing it. Belief is huge. But then Joshua goes to Ai. This is chapter 7. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Echan, son of Kami, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerab, the tribe of Judah, <laughs> him, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and don't weary all the other people, for only a few men are there. So about three thousand men went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about thirty-six of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down in the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their heads. <coughs> and Joshua said, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? Oh, poor Dab, don't you feel sorry for him yet? He's a mourner. The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? It sounds like the church of today, to be honest, but let's go. Keep going. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. This is the difference between common sense and faith. Common sense here. You don't need many men. There's only a few of them. Don't bother. We'll take these up now. Go. 36 men died. Now, I have read this dozens of times. And I've always read that at 36,000. Always. Why is that? And when I read it was only 36, I was really shocked last night. That's just a, an aside. Nothing to do with the... Um, with the actual message, is telling you that I've always thought it was 36,000, but only 36, never mind. So can you see the difference between common sense? Common sense will do what you think you are able to do in your own strengths. And God says, the problem with this is, we don't hear God tell us not to do it either. God's word to them was, would have been, you've got problems. Don't go anywhere near them until you sort out your own problems. And I'll tell you what that problem is. So we need to hear from God how to put ourselves right, as well as how to put everybody else right. Because it starts in the church. Revival starts in the church. It starts with us being right. It starts with us doing what God wants to do. It starts with us being in repentance. It starts with us 
And when common sense takes over, you are liable to destruction, is what it says. In other words, you don't grow. Nothing will come of it. So, we need humility. We need strategy, his strategy. We need perseverance and endurance in prayer. And we need <coughs> repentance. And if you take any one of those away, you'll have a church that's sterile, I believe. You'll have a church that won't reproduce. You may reproduce after your own kind, but that isn't what you want. The whole aim of the church is to make Christ like people. That's the total aim of the church, to preach the gospel, make people like little Christs. That's what we're here for. We're not here for anything else. Forget the big chapels and the big churches. You want a church of 5,000, then you'll, shall gamble's world, you'll build a tower. You will stop laying a table for people. But if you want Jesus, then you have to become like him. We have to learn to put ourselves right. We have to go to God in repentance when I'm not doing what you want me to do, no matter what that is. No matter what that is. Whether it's you're not dealing with people properly, you don't look at people in the right way. Whether it's on a people level, when it's on a personal level. Whether it's the sin that people call sins, or those inner sins that nobody knows about. We need repentance before God. For our feelings, for our attitudes, for the way we are. It's a huge thing in the church, repentance. Without it, you're liable to destruction, I'm afraid. That was their sin. And God tells him, get up. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. Now get up, put it right, and let's move on. And that's what I'd like to tell the church. Let's get up, put it right, move on. Let's be humble before God so that we can hear what he's telling us. Let's seek his face so that we want him more than we want his blessings. Let's pray with absolute faith once we've heard from him. And you know what? The person who brought the word to that ten women wasn't a prophet. I, I really need to say this. Because we may sit back and think that it's only people who are in positions can have it. It's not. She was just a woman who'd gone away and read her Bible. And it had spoken to her. And that's what she brought to the meeting, which resulted in God answering prayer. So it's not just for the few. It's for the many. But the many have to take part in it, you know? And sometimes it is only the few who do it. So take part, take part. Let's be this church that's humble, prayerful, seeking God and repentant. Because I believe we could reap a harvest in the time of famine. Do you know? Evan Roberts wrote, his prayer was, bend me, Lord. And the church prayed, bend the church. <coughs> Maybe we need to get back to that prayer. Bend the church, Lord. Bend us of our common sense and our opinions and our ideas, none of which bear fruit because they're not revelation. It's just what I think. You know, let's ask God to meet us. Maybe we should sing the old, old hymn, Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. No, bend me, melt me, mould me, fill me. That's where we need to be. If we, need, if we are serious about changing the town, then we need to know it is a spiritual battle. 
and it can only be done with spiritual weapons and they will only come from God himself. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.